0: To take you behind the scenes in Smashville. Yoshi slides it in. and the Predators win it overtime. This is the Preds Official Podcast with Brooks Bratton on Smashville's best sports talk. ESPN 1025 The Game.
1: Boo! It's the Predators Official Podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome to episode 149. Welcome back to the P.O.P. The scary it's the Halloween show. And uh, someone who's not so scary, at least not to me. I don't know. People people are weird. They might think she's scary. I don't think she's scary. I think she's pretty great. Kara Hammer. She's back. I'm Brooks Bratton, by the way, NashvillePredators.com. Hammer, how are you?
2: I'm great. How are you, Brooks?
1: Oh, you know, hanging in there a couple days till yeah, Halloween. Man,
2: you have your Halloween costume? I mean, are you are you ready? Are you a Halloween guy?
1: I, well, so I am to a point, and we had one listener actually ask us what we're going to be for Halloween, so we'll save that. We'll save the costume part to the end. But I do enjoy Halloween. I don't... Well, you might think this is kind of contradictory. I don't enjoy getting scared, but mm-hmm. I do enjoy other aspects of Halloween. I love the... Like, honestly, I think my favorite thing to do, which I will do this year is to like hand out candy to trick or treaters. I guess that's, that might be the old soul in me is that I just enjoy handing out candy to, to trick or treaters. So I'll do some of that. And, uh, the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, that is a must watch for me at this time of year.
2: I do enjoy that as much as I enjoy the clearance candy after (laughs) Halloween.
1: I was going to say, are you the kind of person that buys it like as soon as it comes out in August and just eats it or you're waiting until we got deals and steals?
2: No, I'm a deal person. I'll wait. I mean, it's like, it's like that for most holidays with me.
1: Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves a good deal. What, what about your, uh, how do you rank on the Halloween scale?
2: I guess I I was. I think I was more into it when I was younger in college. I really enjoyed dressing up and going out, but as I've gotten older, I like seeing family photos of other people dressing up and going out and I'm not as into it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. That's good to know. Well, I, I, I think some people, and this may be an extreme situation, but I'll never forget when a few years ago when Peter Laviolette was here, he was asked by a reporter what he was doing for Halloween. And he was like, I honestly didn't even know that today was Halloween, (laughs) which he's, he's really hyper-focused and NHL head coach is really hyper-focused on what's going on. I at least know that it's happening. I'm not to that extreme, but uh, uh, I always appreciate like a good haunted house or decorated house. I don't want to go in the haunted house, but I think it looks cool from the outside.
2: But Halloween is kind of a big deal for the NHL players. Like they do a Halloween party every year. And we've seen great costumes. I saw on ESPN 125, the game, they were asking if Brian Johansson was going to be able to top his Post Malone costume. And obviously, Brooks, we know we saw a few years ago, Nick Bonino and his wife dressed up as regulars <laughs> on Broadway. And we're getting autographs from yes. his own teammates as they were entering the party.
1: One of the better Halloween pranks I've seen in the NHL circuits. Yeah, and Halloween's a big deal in the NHL. And I think the guys are going to be able... Uh, to have some parties or some get-togethers and some costume contests amongst themselves. We've already seen some teams uh, have a little habit of Halloween party. So we'll see what the Preds come up with afternoon game on Saturday. Perhaps they'll be able to do something on Saturday night or on Halloween Sunday. Uh, No game then as well. So we will see uh, in the meantime what the guys are able to come up with. There's some – they really get into it. There's some really good makeup jobs. It's really pretty impressive when they get going. But as of now – the Predators, they're looking pretty good. They're looking a lot better than maybe they did at the start. And I i don't know, I guess I shouldn't say a lot better because they feel like they weren't playing poorly. They just seem to be getting rewarded now. So they completed their first road trip. We're six games in. They've won two straight. How are they getting rewarded for that play? I mentioned that in just a moment. Connor Ingram's first win as well. I look back at his journey to get to this point. And a really fascinating interview coming up with Predator strength and conditioning coach David Good, one of the people behind the scenes who you may not see all that often out uh, front-facing, but he plays quite a large role in, in keeping Predators players in tip sh- top shape. So we will talk to him coming up later on in the program and, of course, your Twitter questions. But as we mentioned, two straight for the Preds, a 5-2 victory in Minnesota on Sunday and then a 3-1 win over San Jose On Tuesday night, some of the highlights, five power play goals in their last three games, 12 goals in their last three games overall. And Kara, 12 players now have at least three points on the season. What do you think? I, I mean, again, I think this is something that the Predators felt like they were playing well enough to win some of those earlier games that they weren't succeeding in. And now they're finally starting to find a way, whether it's scoring five goals in Minnesota or squeaking out kind of a tighter game against San Jose, they found a way to do it twice in a row here.
2: I I think you said it just right. I don't think they were playing poorly. I think the only game where I thought they played poorly was the very first game of the season against Seattle. I think if they would have played Seattle the second game of the season, I think it would have been a victory for the Preds. I think it was just kind of those like, First game jitters, trying to figure out the systems, new guys are playing, and then out of the lineup. But, I mean, looking at those first few games, Brooks, I think I think they had a chance against Carolina. I think they could have won that game. I think that they had an awesome game against Winnipeg. I think maybe, you know, one or two things switch in that game. It could have gone either way. Nick Cousins played lights out against the Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we saw victories, it you know, it's become – mostly because of the power play. I mean, the, the the top lines are producing. All lines are producing. We're getting scoring from Roman Yossi, who has three goals already. But you have to love the man advantage. I mean, we have a power play, Brooks.
1: <laughs> top three as of this recording. Can you believe it? Yeah, as we record this on uh, Thursday afternoon, October the 28th, the Predators have a top three power play in the National Hockey League, 31.8%. They're seven for 22 with the man advantage. And it's been a hot topic over the last few days john hines head coach says the attention to detail that the guys are playing with is a big difference right now Mm -hmm. uh the predators that he's john hines is like we've got a lot of talented players skilled players out there but a lot of it is the detail the execution the speed with which they're playing on the power play the the puck decisions guys know where each other is going to go they know what they're going to do before they get the puck and I think yeah. in, in recent seasons, we've seen a lot of the same things, the same looks, pass it around a few times, it doesn't work, and then it's out of the zone. Whereas I don't think a lot of teams, and I think especially in Minnesota, we saw it. The Predators scored two power play goals in the first six, seven minutes of the game on Sunday in Minnesota. And then all of a sudden, Minnesota's penalty killers were like, uh-oh, we we got to get a lot more aggressive than we were. But the damage yeah. had already been done by that point.
2: And, and it's speaking of penalty killers, how great have our penalty killers been, especially in the instances where we've had five on threes. And I just can see in my mind, Alex Carrier, Matthias Ekholm, and I think sometimes that third guy is either Bramlin or Sissons out there. And those guys are just working so hard killing penalties. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that brings so much momentum to the game when those guys kill off those five on threes, or even if it's five on four. They, I feel like they're able to use that and transition it back and help pick up two points.
1: Agreed. Especially against San Jose, special teams were big. They got that power play goal early on, and then the penalty kill didn't allow San Jose to really get into it. They got a goal midway through the third period, the Sharks did, but that was at even strength, and it was a lucky play, honestly. It was it was a nice play, uh, but a bounce that went uh, to Timo Meyer. He bats it out of midair to beat UC Soros, but that's all they're able to get on the night. So yeah, it's it's early, and uh, you know, as we always do, you you take things into consideration, and um, you you take a, just perspective on on things, and and what we're analyzing, we're six games in, right? So there, this is a very small sample size still, but it's important at this point in the season again to keep everything in perspective. But this is exactly the kind of team the Predators wanted to be: tough, difficult to play against, that hardworking identity, and in theory that should keep them competitive.
2: I mean, how much are you watching some of those hits out there and you're thinking, wow, like they're so physical. I mean, like, I don't know about you Brooks, but I love watching Tanner Janot and Yakov Trennan sometimes just destroy other guys. Like it just, it makes my heart happy.
1: I think both Jano and Trennan are even better as far as the physicality is concerned than last season. We saw it. We saw glimpses of it last season. But yeah, Jano and Trenin, both of them, they both had really good camps and they're fulfilling a role that uh, the Predators need them to fulfill. And they're doing a great job with them. Maintainer Jano had an unreal goal batting it out of midair on Sunday in Minnesota. Yakov Trennan hit the post against San Jose on Tuesday. So it's not like there's you know they're not one dimensional that's for sure and and they're getting their opportunities and getting chances and I think you're seeing that throughout the lineup uh, yeah. recently. So again the the Preds are they're they're three and four right? So in, in the early going I said six games earlier it's actually seven <laughs> math and math is difficult um, but they're three and four right now and so they have a chance on Saturday against the Islanders to go four and four. And if you end up at 500 before you go on the road, I mean, that is obviously the goal is to get to that point. They dug themselves a little bit of a hole earlier on. And I go back to something that Matthias Ekholm said earlier on in the first couple of games, like we're not getting blown out by teams. I mean, there's some teams with having some issues around the league right now, um, with their on ice play and, and teams that were expected to be better. And again, it's, it's, it's just so early and I'll, I'll continue to harp on that, but, um, I think you're seeing like I don't know that the Predators have had a game yet where they completely want to trash it. I, I think yeah. there's in, in every game there's at least been in flashes of what they want to see and in these last couple, especially I think Minnesota was the best effort of the year. And then San Jose, the theme was kind of we we wanted to put them away uh, more so than the Predators did. They said we had some we had more chances. We should have scored more than three goals. But at the same time, they found a way. And at the end of the night, they got two points. And that's what matters most.
2: I think they're just so fun to watch. And you went back and I, look, I'm going to go back to a, a little thing you said earlier about Tanner Janot hitting that out of the air. And how much when you saw that, were you thinking, this is the only guy on the Preds roster that even could, you know, he, he was hitting two home runs over at Vanderbilt, over at Hawkins Stadium, not two out of the park. I mm-hmm. mean, do you think that that played into that goal at all?
1: Well, he's clearly a better baseball player than anybody else on the team <laughs> the, and the europeans always have a ton of trouble with, on the baseball field that's not baseball's not really top of the list uh, across the pond there but yeah as you know well I, I think he's too like he's got the power to do it right like was yeah. it what did you was it you that spoke to dan Hynote about tanner Janot recently
2: i've spoken to a lot of the coaches about tanner Janot, and they're just so high on him and his physicality and um just you know his ability to play
1: yeah, he's he's doing an adequate job. Some may say <laughs> maybe maybe more than adequate right now. He's he's looked really good, and again, the Preds are getting contributions throughout the lineup now. And I figured we would get to this one, uh, this question early on. Actually, a couple of questions from one from Amanda, one from Bar- Brian, but similar questions. Um, they essentially said, based on what we've seen so far, the biggest strength and the biggest weakness for the team and then chances for the Preds to beat their upcoming opponents. As far as beating their opponents, again, the Islanders on Saturday, and then they go on a six-game road trip. So, by the way, if you want to see the Preds before they leave for two weeks, go to Saturday's afternoon game, um, and then they'll go to Western Canada to start that six-game road trip. But, Kara, I mean, and we've talked about it before, any team in the NHL can beat anyone else on on a given night, but the way that the Predators are playing right now, they do have the ability – to beat any of their upcoming opponents. And it's, you know, the, the parody in the league is so great. Um, but as long as they continue to play the way that they're playing more often than not right now, that gives them at least a chance to not only stay in the game, but to win the game at the end of the night.
2: Yeah, are you surprised at all at how much Coach Hines is, is kind of shuffling the lines and moving players around so early in the season?
1: I mean, yes and no. But I think that. So the one line that we really saw start out was Johansson with Duchesne and Forsberg. And on uh, Tuesday against San Jose, it turned into a, a familiar line that we had seen before, which was Duchesne with Forsberg and Granland and Granland in the middle. And I've, I don't You know what? Like, I've been pleased with what I've seen, especially lately. Again, I think this is all. Every game, I think the Preds progress in some way. They, they've they done that so far through seven games this season. And um, I think what we've seen from the line combinations right now, and Hines was asked about this recently, and he's like, you know, people always want to get into so much of what are the lines? Why are they changing? Why are they not changing? Um, and I think it's just what you're feeling in that moment. I, I think sometimes, even if it changes in-game, right, like I just go back to things of, you know, we know that some combinations work together, but what about these three? What about those three? You, I mean, you mentioned Jano and Trennan and Sissons in the middle. I mean, that's a great line. We know we know the herd line. We know what the herd line brings. And I've really liked the line of Tommy Novak, Phil Tomasino, and Nick Cousins lately. And I think that top six is pretty interchangeable. You throw Luke Cunning and Ellie Tolvanen into the mix up top there. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't, even though things have switched up from time to time recently, I do like I don't go into it and look at any of those lines that we've seen in the last couple of games and be like, oh, I don't, I don't like that. Get rid of that. I, yeah. I think everybody and, and different lines are going to play well on different nights too, right? Like I don't hardly ever do. You have four lines clicking, like really clicking every night. Like sometimes a line's going to have a night, and other times a line's going to have a night off for whatever reason. But There's- I think as you're get, as long as you're getting those contributions throughout the lineup, as long as somebody is stepping up and you're generating chances, no matter yeah. what the trio is, and I, I think that's what we've seen from the Preds so far is, again, guys are getting chances no matter who they're playing with, and, and that's a very good sign.
2: There was a line that he put together during the Rangers game that I really liked, and that was putting on the on the second line with Granlin and... Cunning, and then on the third line, he had Cousins, Sissons, and Janot, and I felt like that was just when you're rolling, you have that physical presence every time guys are coming over the boards, and I thought that I, I, was, I was a little bit surprised at first when he was breaking up the herd line, but then it seemed to work, and it makes you wonder, Brooks, what's going to happen when that Matthew Olivier returns back into the lineup, and then we bring another tough guy, physical body, you know, able to play, and plays really well in that herd line as well.
1: Sure. And you've got to think, I mean, a guy like Matthew Olivia, he's in Milwaukee right now, but he's going to, people are going to get hurt at some point, right? You're going to see guys like that come back into the lineup. So um, yeah, it's all about continuing to try to find that chemistry. And I think so far the Preds have had that again. It's not, you're not going to see the same lineup potentially every night. It helps when you're winning. So like we may not see a change compared mm-hmm. to Tuesday's game into Saturday's game, at least to start as long as everybody's healthy and, and ready to go. So um, we'll we'll see what that brings as far as strength and weakness. I mean, I think the, the weakness, and it's, it's kind of cliche, but I, I think if there's one thing the Predators would want to improve, it's just doing things consistently. Like I, th- I think you could pick out maybe one or two things from every game that they would want to be a little bit better. I don't think that's necessarily the same thing from night to night, but it's just continuing to find that consistency. I think when the Predators are – a little bit down on the effort, it's because maybe it wasn't the full 60 minute effort that you always talk about. You might have lulls and there's ebbs and flows and teams are going to have pushes the Preds and, and whoever the opponent is are going to trade off. But I think if there's one thing they would like to improve, at least in the early going, it's just continuing to do that consistently. Um, and I think the strength, you, you know, the power plays on fire and they're continuing to generate chances and, and for the most part have been pretty darn good in their own defensive end as well.
2: Yeah. I think, I think for me personally, one of the weaknesses and I, I think it's growing and I, I think we'll, we'll get it figured out, but it is the, the bottom two defense pairing. I feel like before we kind of always had a, had a steady group, maybe with you had a Yannick Weber, or a Dan Hamhuis, just two like really reliable guys, but I feel like, you know, some players are still tr- trying to figure out their role coming back. We know that B- Boro was hurt a lot last year and maybe just getting back up to speed of the game right now. So I think, for me, if there was one weakness, that would be it. But you look at the top four, obviously they're playing well. Dante Favreau has been one of the biggest strengths on the defense so mm-hmm. far. And he—I you have to give so much credit to Dante Brooks. We've talked about it before on the podcast, but the work he put in over the offseason. And I heard him the other night on the radio talking about it again, about hiring a nutrition coach, a sleep coach, getting a skating coach, like doing all the right things yep. to come back to have the season he's having so far.
1: Favs has been really good. He's been one of the bright spots, one of many bright spots for the Preds so far. Again, a 3-4 and four record as we record this. You'd like to be a little bit better, but they'll try to get to 500 on Saturday, and then away we go on the road. And uh, anything can happen when you're in Western Canada, so we'll see how that goes for the Preds. But coming up, we'll talk to a man who makes sure the Predators can compete with just about any team in the NHL, at least as far as a uh, strength and conditioning is concerned. He is strength and conditioning coach for the Predators, David Good. We'll talk to him next on the Preds official podcast right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. To
0: my surprise did the match. He did the monster, man. Welcome back to
1: the Predators official podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game. I'm Brooks Bratton of NashvillePredators.com and pleased to be joined now by our guest this week via the phone. Uh, he is a man that maybe uh, stays more behind the scenes. You don't see him a whole lot out in front, but he certainly does a ton for the Nashville Predators to keep the players in top shape. And he's been here. A long time, he makes his first appearance on the POP. It's Predator Strength and Conditioning Coach David Good. David, first off, welcome to the show for the first time. Thanks so much for doing this.
0: Yeah, excited. This will be uh, certainly a new experience for me, so thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely, no problem. And uh, I said Strength and Conditioning Coach, that is your title, and I think most people could probably surmise at least a rough idea of what that entails, but how would you describe your role with the Predators? uh responsible for
0: all off season and in season aspects of off ice strength conditioning uh, nutrition we have a nutritionist marietta parish that is fantastic uh, she takes care of the larger scope of things but i am the day-to-day nutrition police i guess you could call it <laughs> um and then uh you know, just coordinating the nutritional aspects with Brandon Walker on the road as far as meals at the hotels and things like that. So anything weight room related, conditioning related and nutrition related kind of falls under my umbrella.
1: Gotcha. It's certainly a unique job. So take me back to when you were growing up. When, When did this become something not only that you were interested in, but when did you realize that you wanted to pursue this as a career path?
0: I actually went to a small school in massachusetts d3 to play initially and got hurt so uh, i happened to be working uh, at a bar with a buddy that was working for the strength conditioning department and he said hey do you want to come help us out a student assistant and, yeah it sounds great obviously growing up trying to be athletic playing a bunch of sports and you know at a certain point you start training when you're a kid too so i loved the gym i was a gym rat tried to train as much as i possibly could so it seemed like a pretty natural fit and mm-hmm. it was just kind of the right place at the right time to make that transition. So, um, you know, ultimately looking back at it, I'm, I'm really happy that um, I kind of was forced to make that decision, I guess. But uh, certainly I'm, I'm more at home in the gym training guys than in the training room taking care of injuries. So I'm, I'm happy it worked out the way it did.
1: I think that, it, and I kind of feel this way too, just being around the rink uh, a lot as much as we are and, and traveling and whatnot, I, I, it's it's kind of funny to think of like, what would it be like to have a nine to five and, and just sit at a desk all day? Do you kind of feel like that? I mean, it's such a unique environment that we're in as well. Is this kind of, it just feels right to you, I suppose, in your passion?
0: Yeah, I think an office job would be crazy. <laughs> the the travel schedule and the work schedule certainly demand a lot of it, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's something you get used to, and it's something you really. Enjoy. Um, some slower times during the summers, and you know when some some of the nine to fivers are at the office, we're fortunate enough to have a day off where we can enjoy some nice weather and you know crowds that aren't out at the stores and things like that. <laughs> so there's certainly some benefits to the odd schedule, but it uh, it's something you really become accustomed to and like I said you really end up enjoying it after a while it's long hours but after you get through those days we got such a tight-knit staff here that it's kind of just a good sense of accomplishment when as a group you can battle through those days and a grueling travel schedule and then you come out the other end and you look at each other and like you know what that was as difficult as that was it was really kind of a cool experience
1: mm-hmm. you've been in Nashville since 2004 already it's been almost we're, we're coming up on 20 years i suppose but what what do you remember about that time when you first got here and and how things changed since then I, I imagine that maybe things are a little bit different uh, as far as they were 15 20 years ago for you
0: yeah it's thing just generally that i remember flying into nashville uh i was coming in from los angeles california and as i flew in i just remember looking out the window going man this place is green <laughs> and it was it was just cool to see all the trees and the hills and you know because the the proverbial concrete jungle of los angeles you were lucky to find a dog park so sure. um, it was awesome to kind of come come back to a little bit more of an atmosphere like i grew up in in colorado so that was that was a great just from a general standpoint but um, yeah things have really evolved i mean from my area you know the human body certainly hasn't changed much so anatomy's anatomy physiology's physiology there aren't a lot of secrets involved but Mm -hmm. the way i try to evolve our program to stick with the fundamentals that i believe in and know that work but still try to make changes not necessarily every year but you try to find new techniques new implements new devices uh, that can help evolve your programs to get better. Because if, you know, if you're not continually trying to educate yourself and make your program better, then you're just being static and you're not going to improve yourself as a coach or the team. So um, we're always looking for new stuff. Really, the two areas that have changed most significantly uh, are the nutrition and what we are really just kind of breaking the seal on now is the biometric uh data accumulation for some of these players so um, nutritionally like you said when when i started we really didn't have any sort of significant nutrition program we had a couple meals here and there a couple supplements we were using um, but we have really tried to develop that and I, uh, marietta parish again our, new, our team nutritionist has been outstanding with bringing new ideas to me every single year we try to keep our supplement lines fresh make sure the guys are as recovered as they possibly can be, getting all the nutrients they can have. Um, hydration is a big thing for us. We do a lot of hydration protocol stuff. So um, the the nutritional aspects of it, and as far as the food that we provide for our players now, has grown tremendously. And then, like I mentioned, the biometrics area, uh, which incorporates heart rates, workloads, um, uh, you know, electronic devices that, that catch those things. Everybody knows the things like the Apple Watch and the Whoop Band. Um, So we use devices similar to that, uh, but that are a little bit more scientific, a little bit more accurate. Uh, So we're really just starting to delve into that area as far as uh, collecting data of practices and morning skates and seeing quantitatively what kind of workloads guys have uh, with their heart rates and their their bodies throughout the the day, the week, the season. It's really an an interesting area for me to continue my education process, too.
1: Well yeah, what 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 have you been able to learn from that? As you said, it's just you're you're just beginning to unpack everything that that can deliver, but what what have you learned and and how has that changed what you do and maybe the way you go about things?
0: Well I think the first thing that was really apparent to us as a staff is it kind of gave us a way to quantify things that we were already seeing. So it was, it was justification for things that we were already doing and support for the way in which we were going about things. So that was great because we didn't get this information and go, oh boy, we're really messing things up here. We didn't make wholesale changes. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was really helping support us saying, okay, we're making some good decisions. How do we dial in and fine tune that decision-making process now? So after we kind of had a, a, an overview of, the energy expenditures of the players, again, from a, a daily practice schedule to a weekly schedule to a monthly schedule. Now we're getting to the point where we can start to break down practices into specific drills and see what those drills, workloads, demands are. Um, so it's, we're really, again, we're, we're getting from kind of an overview to laser focused on some of the stuff. And it's really been very interesting.
1: Gotcha. That's well, and and as we've said before, it's it's something that you never stop learning. The technology continues to increase, and uh, player tracking has been a huge thing as well. I know it's big in the analytical department, but you're seeing a lot of that for for you guys as well, as far as strength and conditioning is concerned.
0: Yeah, and we're trying to incorporate some of the things that the leagues implemented too with the player tracking and see. Um, you know, we're unfortunately bound to not wear the monitors during games, so it limits us a little bit as far as what we can do. Uh, We we just have to make estimations for games, but Mm -hmm. the league does collect some data that allows us to make some estimations a little bit more accurately. So incorporating their data from a game with the stuff that we have for practices and morning skates gives us a, a better, again, overview of what our larger school looks like.
1: Predators Strength and Conditioning Coach David Good is our guest here on the Preds official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. And I think one of the things that most of us uh, appreciate in professional sports is no two days are exactly the same. And I know that that's, every day is a little bit different, but is there a quote-unquote normal day for you or, or more of a uh, routine perhaps on the day-to-day basis? And, and what might that look like? I think i probably most normal schedule is a game day no. and particularly on
0: the road I think because your your schedule is dictated on on the end of it by usually a flight to a different city so your schedule is a little bit more uh, clearly defined I think on a road game day but uh, just run through it quickly we'll, we'll get up as a staff pretty early in the morning and have a staff breakfast before, uh, before the players get down there and we try to get over to the rink a few hours before they do just to make sure everything's set up. Um, We'll get the players ready and prepared for the morning skate, make sure they have everything they need to get warmed up and prepare for the game and then when they take off back to the hotel we usually kind of button things up and straighten things out so that when they return in the afternoons we're not scrambling around but we'll take care of that late morning we usually go to a staff lunch somewhere we'll bring lunch into the rink Uh, try to have a few minutes to ourself whether that means getting a quick workout in or taking a quick nap just recharging before the players get back around three or four and then from three or four o'clock on it's it's just constant moving around making sure the guys are ready for the game and then kind of the unique situation for me is when the game is going on I will train our healthy scratches so the the two or three guys that don't play that night will work out during the first period of the game make sure that they are physically prepared to uh, perform optimally for the next night or the next couple days uh, making sure they get their workload into and then once the game's over we take care of some recovery and nutrition things and we pack up and we're on the plane to the next city so um, you get to the next city, you unpack, and you start your day all over
1: again. <laughs> you mentioned uh, the nutrition aspect a moment ago as well, and uh, as you said it's it's huge now, maybe more so even even than when you started I mean how important is that i've heard it said that you know what what you do in the kitchen is maybe just as important as what you do in the gym or on the ice how how much stock do you take into something like that?
0: very much um and I think a lot of that <clears throat> it's not necessarily what we do for The guys at the rink and what we provide them but i think the larger part of it is educating them on what they can do themselves because we obviously have limited exposure to them throughout a day on a practice day it's maybe two to four hours so ultimately their recovery really depends on how professional they are away from the rink Mm -hmm. and again that comes back to education so the easiest thing for them to really control is their hydration and that's why we place such a big emphasis on that uh, if if not to throw too many numbers out or too much exercise physiology but if a guy loses three percent of his body weight through sweat his performance can decrease 30 percent wow. so you can see that's really a small number of sweat loss and be uh dramatic decrease in performance so uh, and also again the easiest thing to control everybody can have a bottle of water drinking it making sure they're hydrated so that's that's a part in the pot, a very watered down version of how we can do things for that but then just eating right making the right decisions away from the rink if they're out at a at a restaurant or taking their family out that night for supper you know the good decisions to make there so that the nutrition and hydration for recovery is paramount
1: what about the the psychological side of it and and just finding a way to keep guys motivated through eighty two games? I mean, you know it's it's a long season, it's a grind and and sometimes it's maybe you're in the middle of February and it's it's maybe a little bit difficult to get motivated. but what what, what kind of aspects do you bring into that side of things to to keep guys going and and keep them focused on what they need to do? I just sit there and yell at everybody (laughs) (laughs) no it's
0: uh we were required to take sports psychology classes for our education so i do have some exposure to it but uh, the the biggest thing you learn especially at the professional level is that each guy has to be handled differently and some guys can handle the yelling and here we have such a good group of guys it's always in good fun Uh, you know there's there's never really any confrontation or animosity so if there's any kind of loud noises coming from the weight room it's always just a dry sense of humor (laughs) back and forth with the players but some guys can take that you know other guys can't some guys really need to just kind of be led through a process step by step uh, and shown a little bit more directly so that's a fun part of the job for me is learning these guys, developing good professional relationships with them, and then knowing what makes each guy tick. So, uh, you know, I'm fortunate to have a lot of contact with each player every day, and the gym is usually the first place they end up. So it's you kind of get a read on them early in the morning, if they've gotten good sleep, if they're a little bit tired. So it's a fun part of the process.
1: Just a couple more for you. Are there uh, some guys from over the years that have impressed you most in your time here maybe some guys who've been the best performers in the gym or just kind of eat that sort of thing up
0: oh yeah yeah absolutely there's always uh, you know there's a guy on every team that we hand out the overall fitness award to uh this year happens to be tanner janelle the guy's an absolute machine uh, i think that certainly shows on the ice too with the way he plays so physically and fast it's uh it's a fun thing to see how the off-ice training Translates over to on ice performance. That's obviously do what we do. There's uh yeah. There there've been quite a few guys that have been outstanding to work with.
1: And then I think lastly, I mean, that's we we all get something different out of what we do and and working for this team and this organization. But what what is the best part of what you do? What's the most gratifying part uh, of your job at the end of the day?
0: Uh, I mean, we all do this to win. And I think that sense of accomplishment, sense of accomplishment, when you win a big hockey game and the team plays well, and you see how that boosts everybody up, and it's just kind of, you know, you can you can look at each other and just go, all right, you know, what we did today, we achieved our goals. And um, from a, a bigger picture, uh, if you go back to the 2017 Cup run, you know we're we're so focused on it and in the middle of it i think we kind of lose sight kind of lose sight of it sometimes and i would go out and run errands and i go into whole foods and you know eight out of ten people are wearing bread stuff mm-hmm. and seeing the banners and seeing the support from the city i think that's really the coolest thing is just kind of the effect we have on everybody's lives and i think we need to realize that a little bit more every once in a while because you know we're we're in we're in the trenches every day doing our job and doing it cuz we enjoy it and we love it but to see the community and the city come together and support us is it's really amazing and it's fun to go out and talk to people and you know when people find out what you do you strike up a conversation and it's it's a great really great city to have the support and, and enjoy enjoy giving them something that hopefully they enjoy to watch
1: well, quickly, you're the nutrition cop. Uh, Halloween weekend, sure. do you tell guys to lay off the Halloween candy, or do you have t- enough trust in them to do that on their own?
0: I uh, certainly have trust on them. There are some friendly reminders given every once in a while. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's if you sneak a Tootsie Roll or a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup here and there, uh, it's not the worst thing in the world as long as you have your stuff dialed in 99% of the time. <laughs>
1: Our thanks to David Good for enlightening us on not only what things are like off the ice, but how much Halloween candy the guys are actually allowed to consume. Up next, Connor Ingram's journey to his first NHL appearance and victory. This is the Predators official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. Bustin makes me feel good. At least Ray Parker Jr. That's what he's all about. Welcome back to the POP, the Preds Official Podcast on ESPN 102.5. The game, the Halloween show. So of course we're playing the Halloween hits. I'm Brooks Bratton. She's Kara Hammer. Kara, bustin' ghost bustin'. How you feel?
2: I I, just, I said I think I like my favorite song is the Monster Mash. That's so like the best Halloween song of all time. But, well, I don't know, I, maybe Thriller is number
1: one, Monster Mash is number To me, Thriller is number one. Uh, we'll throw in some Monster Mash when we uh, edit up the David Good interview. Thanks to him, by the way, for joining us. That was a great chat. And uh, just to learn a little bit more about what he does. And Kara, right on cue, he also mentioned Tanner Jeannot as the strongest guy, the guy who wins that award for the best uh, performer in the gym. Shocker, it's Tanner Jeannot.
2: I think, you know, I think it's because he probably grew up in like a, like a farm town somewhere. And I feel like those type of guys, they just have that, like that sort of like kind of strength, oh. you know, like you think of like Nebraska or Wyoming, some of those guys, like just work outside all the time and you just have that strength. That's like what Tanner Genoa is to me.
1: Well, when you're from Oxbow, Saskatchewan. I feel like you're not allowed to be weak. You have to. You have to be a strong person. So, uh, well done, Tanner Janot, By the way, another guy who, a Saskatchewan native in his own right as well. But this is a really cool story. So, Connor Ingram, we mentioned it at the top, and I'm sure you've seen it by now. He, of course, made his NHL debut on Sunday in Minnesota. Also, his first NHL win. And that's great in its own right, but his story with where he was nine months ago, it was nine months ago when he entered the NHL-NHLPA player assistance program. And uh, he he needed some help, and he was able to get that help. And, And just the progress that he's made to get back to this point, and he tweeted after the game, Um, he said we were on the plane flying back to Nashville. He's, he tweeted, he said, quote, nine months to the day that I stepped away and went into the NHLPA program for help. I played my first game. Amazing. The things that happen when you put your mental health first hashtag, let's talk. What do you think about Connor Ingram?
2: I think that story just gives me all the feels. I mean, that's, it's incredible. I love that he was vocal about it. I love that he felt that he needed help and he asked for it. And I think that it, it just shows so much. And I hope him saying that and being vocal will help other people as well. I, I love this story.
1: Well, and he's such an easy guy to root for because he's a funny guy too. And, and you know, just what he had been through before and to, to join the organization and, and to get that shot, of course, he wouldn't have even, he'd been in Milwaukee right now if it weren't, uh, David Riddick was uh, placed on the COVID list a little while back and Connor Ingram comes up and he does get that first shot to, to get in there. And I loved what he said after the game, he was like, well, my first shot on goal in the WHL and the AHL, they both went in. So I was (laughs) expecting that to happen, but he, he didn't, he made the save. So he broke, he broke that streak. And then he ended up uh, making 33 saves on the night to give the Preds a five, two win. So congratulations again uh, to Connor. He's a great story. Um, the future is never certain, but he's, he's already taken his life back. I love what he said too. um, after the game, he said, dad always says it's just a game. So if you dig back in the history books, no matter what happened today, the sun is going up, uh, sun is going to come up tomorrow. So what a great thought from Connor Ingram and congratulations again to him. And, uh, as he's kind of made famous sports, competitive athletics, that's why we're all here.
2: I saw, uh, I saw that he, he said that coming out of the tunnel and then, you know, coming out again, the, I saw that you guys were recording him and he said, no, no, not this time. Yes.
1: yep <laughs> He's like, nope. He was, uh, the day after that happened, it was Nashville's first win on home ice and he's coming off and uh, high five on everyone. And if, if anybody didn't see it, he's, you know, the guys are walking through and we like to get Matias back home doing the ole, ole, ole coming through. And Matt Benning gives a little woo on the camera. And then here comes Connor Ringman, He goes sports. Competitive athletics and, you know, just only a goalie would say that. Only a goalie would say that. Yeah, he's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. And so what you're referring to is we did it again on Tuesday trying to get him come through and he's like, nope, nope, not doing it. So maybe we'll we'll get him eventually. But uh, one more congratulations to Connor on what he's been able to do in the last nine months. And we look forward to continued success from him. And we'll be back in just a moment to finish things up on the POP. We'll answer some Twitter questions from the week. That's next right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. The quintessential Halloween tune. At least as far as I'm concerned. I think as far as we're concerned. Welcome back to The Predator's Official podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game. I'm Brooke. She's Kara. As we finish up episode 149 of the program, you got to play a little thriller this time of year, right?
2: You have to. I I do like Halloween music. Not as much as I like Christmas music, but I do like Halloween music. (laughs) Same.
1: I would agree with that. I I like to rock the Stranger Things soundtrack this time of year, too.
2: Oh, I haven't seen that show. I know Willie Donick loves that show, Mm -hmm. but I haven't Mm -hmm. seen it
1: it's well and I think Willie and I both agree that we love see Willie was at least al- alive in the 80s I wasn't but we both love the 80s nostalgia feel to it we love 80s music just everything that comes with that so that doesn't surprise me at all that Willie loves that show that'd be right up his alley I think
2: I was an 80s baby and I like some 80s things but
1: <laughs> then you probably
2: I haven't gotten on the stranger things bandwagon yet
1: You'd probably enjoy Stranger Things, but uh, season four, you know who is big Stranger Things guys? Phil Tomasino. Oh, really? So he's very excited for season four coming out next year. Very excited. Uh, so yeah, get into it. It's, it's a good one, especially at on Halloween. It's a great Halloween time uh, program. So check that out if you're interested. By the way, hashtag Preds podcast is the way that you get involved on the program. And a number of you did that to ask some questions for us as we finish things up. Jeremy said, what have you seen from our top guys, Duchesne, Johansson, and Forsberg? Good things and stuff they need to work on. I've noticed a little momentum with those guys. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on those top three, Kara?
2: I think Dushane is having an amazing start to the season. I think when, after he scored his very first goal of the year, it was like something just clicked. And he has been playing lights out, since he scored that goal. So I don't know if it was getting the monkey off his back, you know, starting scoring, adding a little bit of confidence, but I feel like Matt Duchesne was challenged by Coach Hines and I think he stepped up to the plate.
1: And I think the same for Ryan Johansson too. And I think Ryan Johansson's probably had one of, if not the best start, uh, at least in his time with the Predators, to a season he's got six points in seven games already, uh, a couple of goals in Minnesota on Sunday. So, yeah, I think the three of them – have looked good I think Philip Forsberg would probably prefer to maybe have a little bit more at least on the score sheet but it's not like he hasn't scored goals yet um so the you know we talked about it before like with Elliot Friedman especially like the Preds need those three to be their best players or some of their best players if they're going to win I mean that's that's just the way it is and so far they have been that for the most part and I think you're starting to see those results so good for Good for those three. David said, favorite line combination you've seen yet this season? We mentioned it a little bit in the first se- segment. Is there one that sticks out to you though, Kara?
2: You know, I love the herd line. That's always probably going to be my favorite of course. line. But um, lately, I think I have like that Cousins-Novak-Tomasino line. Mm-hmm. I think Just because I've, I like the way Nick Cousins has been playing. I think Tomasino's finding his grounding and then Novak came in and hey, he, he's, he's playing, you know, he's playing up, he's playing in the NHL. And they've, they've just found a way to make things work.
1: He's finding his way for sure. And I think that question kind of goes into this next one, which we know that we're all fond of the herd line. And Peter says, Kara, is it true you came up with the term the herd line?
2: It's true. It's a fact. <laughs> Last year, during, during the COVID season, when we were all broadcasting in, inside of Bridgestone, the only people doing everything remotely. And we were talking about where these guys were from and we had Colton Sisson, so we had the Colt, we had Yakov, we had the Yak. Then we were looking up, you know, people were calling Matthew Olivier, the Biloxi Bull. And I'm like, well, what happens when you have all these animals? You have a herd. <laughs> and then, then, you know, like Mace and Willie just used it, and it stuck. So mm-hmm. that, that's where the hard line came from.
1: That's you. I think you embed yourself into Nashville Predators history when you can name a line. And it sticks together like that. So don't let anybody else fool you. Don't let anybody else say, "Oh, I came up with that." Uh, uh-uh. uh. She's right here. It's her. I'm dare. right
2: here. I named it, and I, you know, and it wouldn't. I don't think it wouldn't have worked if Tanner Janot hadn't been from Oxbow, so mm-hmm. we could call him the Ox. That helps. It does.
1: Certainly helps. Thanks, it Ox. Tiny little Oxbow, Saskatchewan. <laughs> Thanks so much. Also, Peter also says, if you and Brooks were on a line together, what would it be called? Well, first off, we have to figure out who else is going to be on our line. I think.
2: I, you know, I I was thinking about this all day and I had a, I had a quick one. I don't know who our third guy was going to be, but I almost thought we could be like the ginger snaps or something.
1: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I love it.
2: You know, we could be like, we're quick witted. We're a little sweet, but we're not like everybody's favorite cookies. So we go out there and we just kind (laughs) of dominate.
1: I am so down with that. That's Perfect. I, I'm not even going to attempt to top that because that's perfect. We have to figure out who we would want. we like, we've gotten rid of almost all of our redheaded players too. Like, I don't know that anybody's like everybody's gone, which is unfortunate, but that's okay. We'll, we'll figure it out. But what a, what a name. That's perfect. Well done. Well done, hammer. I knew you had it in you. (laughs) And lastly, Dale said, what are you guys going to be for Halloween? Are you, are you planning on being anything for Halloween?
2: You know what? I will be a Denver Broncos fan for Halloween, wow. which is my normal Sunday costume that I wear when the Broncos play. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Easy enough. I uh, I don't know if we're doing anything. Some, some plans got shifted around. I don't know that I'll necessarily be dressing up this year. Last year, I was a sailor, and my girlfriend was a mermaid. That was a good – I was pretty happy with our get-up there. And then, like, as a kid, like – I was either like a hockey player every year. And then once I started refereeing and I've been a referee so many times, it's so easy. Cause who like, who else has a referee Jersey unless you're actually a referee. So it's such yeah. an easy costume. Like you throw on stuff you already have and boom, you're a referee. I don't, I get offended when people wear sunglasses when they're a referee. Cause I don't, I don't think that's cool. Like referees are people too, but I just, it's just such an easy costume. It's a go-to. And uh, if I ever need something in a pinch, uh, I turn into an official.
2: So my sister is taking her family as the Harlem Globetrotters and the dog is going to be the Ruffery. So I hope that doesn't work
1: for you. I've I've seen that before. I've seen a a couple of dogs on occasion dressed as the Ruffery.
2: Yeah. I like that costume. I
1: always appreciate a good good, uh, humor. Do you have a favorite all-time costume? Oh.
2: When I was a kid, I used to have big Halloween parties and I always loved to go as the tooth fairy because I could wear like this old prom dress that my, <laughs> sister, you know, that like we would buy at the Goodwill store and my I'd wear like a little tool belt and had on my toothbrush and toothpaste and I could stuff all the candy in my little, you know, like utility bag I was wearing.
1: <laughs> nice. That's a good get up. I was when I was a little kid and this was a hand me down, but I was a Hershey bar when I was in first grade. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That was a good one. And I haven't, again, like, it was pretty much either a hockey player or a referee for me, which is kind of boring, but I, I always appreciate a good humorous costume. So I
2: love when people go as, like, Forrest Gump and, you know, like, things like that. Like, old characters, like, mm-hmm. from great movies.
1: I always appreciate a good office costume, a good Saturday Night Live yeah. costume. Yeah, there's there's lots of options. So we'll see. I'm wearing a hat with with pumpkin pie on it right now, so maybe that's... Good enough for this year. <laughs> Quickly, before we go, by the way, which this is always a hot topic, you got a favorite uh, Halloween candy or just any candy in general?
2: I'm a Skittles person.
1: Skittles, and okay. of Taste the rainbow.
2: Yeah, how about you?
1: Reese's, hands down. Got to go with Reese's. And I get, Thomas used to give me crap for liking Three Musketeers. But mm. I do like Three Musketeers and I like, uh, I like dark chocolate. I'll do milk chocolate, but dark chocolate is definitely... Uh, some Ghirardelli, that's that's where I like to go.
2: I was a Reese's person until I tried the Trader Joe's Dark Chocolate Peanut Butter Cups. Whoa. And I keep them in my freezer, and now I just can't go back to the
1: Reese's. (laughs) See, I don't think I've ever been privy to one of those. If
2: you have not tried those yet, go to Trader Joe's, they come in a box, or they have a little 99 cent bag when you're checking out, put them in your freezer, and it will be the best thing you've ever
1: had all right that's good to know oh and i'd be remiss if i didn't say i any nhl press box that has m&ms available skyrockets in my approval rating so big uh, handful of m&ms and an intermission kind of guy there you
2: go that's
1: all it takes well happy halloween to you
2: thanks <laughs> I hope clearance candy.
1: i know i know you'll <laughs> I, it, if you want to know where to find kara on november 1st just hit up your local grocery store she'll be hauling it out by the box full cruising the aisles yes yes deals and deals so uh we're gonna jump on the road shortly we'll play saturday at home against the new york islanders at twelve thirty start hope to see you there and then uh, the next time i we do a pod we'll both be on zoom because i'll be in lovely vancouver one of my favorite nhl road cities so we'll look forward to talking to you then in the meantime kara any final halloween thoughts
2: no Halloween thoughts, but I just want to give a shout out to the lovely family that I did the clay shoot with yesterday. You know, I, I had a great family. They were huge Preds fans. And they came to the very first Predators opening night. So long time fans. Wow. And so I just, if they're listening, thank you for letting me shoot with you. I'm sorry I let the team down. I wasn't the best teammate <laughs> yesterday, but We had a great
1: time. Good time at the Mike Fisher clay shoot. Work that arm out. It's tough. Tough after shooting all day. A little sore. A (laughs) little sore. Work it out and have some candy. All will be well. I'm Brooks Bratton. You can follow me at Brooks Bratton on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Kara at Kara Hammer on Twitter. Again, hashtag Preds Podcast. You can talk to us anytime. And thanks so much to Predator Strength and Conditioning Coach David Good for joining us on the program this week. We'll be back in November. Can you believe it? spooky season. It's almost over and the Preds are just getting going. Episode 149 of the POP. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Happy Halloween.